because like I said, we have a personal experience with music, but most times we don't ask ourselves why. Why did I relate to that song? What about that song sticks out to me? You know, why does it make me feel like I'm at home? Or, you know, why does it relate to me when I'm angry? Welcome back to You Need a Counselor podcast. My name is Dr. Julie Johnson. I'm the president and founder here at Heart and Solutions. We are still offering in-office therapy at any of our six office locations, or we are still offering telehealth uh, services for anywhere in Iowa. And uh, I just want to say, first of all, this is our 100th episode because <laughs> uh, um, that's crazy. I can't believe it. Uh, we took a webinar in 2020 that said start a podcast within one week. And we were like, no, there's no way. And here we are 100 episodes later. Uh, we've had some really, really amazing guests. So uh, it's very, very exciting to be 100 episodes in. We are in the top two percentile of uh, podcast creators in terms of number of minutes of content. Uh, we are in the top two for uh, podcast creators in our educational uh, category. So very, very exciting stuff yeah. happening there. Um, also, I want to mention that our Patreon is live now. Um, so please go over and check out our Patreon. Our Patreon has kind of a different audience than our podcast. Our podcast is for people who are on the fence about starting counseling. Uh, our Patreon is for mental health providers that are looking for CEUs for their play therapy certification. Um, and so if you are a therapist and you are looking for play therapy certification, live CEUs and recorded webinar CEUs, uh, go check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash heart and solutions, which is way shorter than the giant link that I have been sending to people. So <laughs> Patreon slash heart and solutions on there. And I'm Krista Hunt. I am the vice president at Heart and Solutions in charge of our BHIS department. So BHIS stands for Behavioral Health Intervention Services. And that is our program where we go in home and work with children four through 18 on different behavioral skills. And we can also see them in school, in the office or telehealth right now as well. And this is our podcast, You Need a Counselor. So we are designed for people curious about counseling, but has have barriers keeping them from experiencing the benefits of counseling. Our mission is to share stories about counseling, good, bad, and indifferent, and spread the message that everyone can benefit from mental health and behavioral health counseling services. Up your laundry or whatever horrible task you hate doing, your meal prepping, or I don't know, brushing the dog, whatever <laughs> it is that you hate doing and you only want to do once a week, uh, or if you're a cat owner, brushing the cat once a month, every four episodes, you can do that. Um, whatever horrible task you hate doing, go ahead and batch that out. Don't do it throughout the week. Just do that on Sunday nights with us. Get that empty laundry basket feeling that gives you the entire week after listening to the episode to get in touch with your counselor and get scheduled for that week if you haven't seen them in a while, or to get in touch with any of our special guests for the week and get connected with the resources available to you there. Okay, so our 100th guest today is Miss Courtney Michael. Um, I know her as Miss Courtney. She is a board certified music therapist. Uh, she is a mental health advocate. She is a uh, mental health counseling student earning her master's right now in mental health counseling. Um, she is also a worship leader at a church uh, here close to where I live, uh, one town over from me. Um, she's also a wonderful mom and a dog mom uh, and teaches uh, children how to love and appreciate music. Uh, so welcome, Courtney. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Okay, so you do so many different things, um, but so much of it is surrounds music and the love of music and worship through music. Uh, how did you come to have these interests and how did you get into this field? Of you know, I think ever since I was a little girl, I've always been passionate about music, which a lot of younger kids tend to be, right? 
Um, but as I grew up, I got involved in music in our school in show choir, you know, small and large ensemble. And it always sparked that life inside of me, kind of like we all have with the career field that we, we enjoy or we choose. Um, and so as a junior, I believe in high school, I knew I wanted to pursue music therapy. And at first it's funny because I didn't even know that was a thing. I remember thinking to myself, well, I love music and I love helping people. Can I do both? You know? And so I remember, I think it was like our composition class or one of our English classes, you know, the school counselor came in and we did the whole, like, what's your next five years look like? <laughs> and I just started researching what's music therapy, where is it offered? And um, now there's about one to three, you're very lucky if your state has more than three schools <laughs> that um, have the appropriate programs to um, certify you essentially. But um, so yeah, I went to my undergrad, I went out to Charleston in South Carolina and went to Charleston Southern University and earned my undergraduate in music therapy and a minor in psychology. And then after that, I took my boards and I passed. And um, while I wasn't able to jump into a music therapy um, position after my internship because of where we lived, um, I, it kind of opened the door to, okay, what can I do? Um, what can I do right now while my, you know, my husband's finishing school and we have to live here and so I actually took up a job as an ABA therapist. If you've probably heard of them <laughs> with behavioral, um, I was doing ABA and, you know, I just felt that draw I was like, this isn't satisfying. This isn't, doesn't feel like it need, where I can do the best work, you know? And so then I got really involved in our church and just over the last couple of years, we went to the church we're currently at now and um, they had a need for a worship leader to step in that was capable and qualified and experienced. And I had a lot of experience in that field in college as well. And so I just jumped in. And so, you know, now we do a little bit of office work and worship leading and teaching students the joy and the benefits of music, even though they don't see it that way all the time. Um, and then doing music therapy, kind of like in nursing homes and stuff. But so just a little bit of everything is kind of sparkled everywhere, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So for people who haven't even heard of music therapy, can you tell us like what a music therapist does? What would you do in music therapy? Yes. So I will give you first the basic um, definition that you can find on our website. Um, it's the clinical and evidence-based use of music interventions to accomplish individualized goals within a therapeutic relationship by a credentialed professional who's completed the required training. Um, and so <laughs> often when I tell people I'm a music therapist and they've never heard of it, they say, so you take your guitar to hospitals, right? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, <laughs> yes, but no, um, there's a lot more than that. Um, and so I think that that just kind of comes with not, not ignorance in a bad way, but just, they don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Nobody's taught it to them. They haven't experienced it, um, more frequently now people say they they saw a music therapist come see their mother when she was in hospice or um, with ABA there's a lot of children who also receive music therapy services because of the benefit it has with kids with autism um, but music therapy can be used anywhere everywhere in a lot of different circumstances and I think a lot of people don't understand that because when we experience music we have our own personal experience with it and we don't think it's applicable to every population, right? Um, but as a music therapist, while it looks like we're just having a good time singing or maybe analyzing a song or writing a song or whatever it, intervention it might be, what's happening is as a trained and credentialed professional, there's a lot going on in the brain. There's a lot that's reading the, the uncommunicated signs, um, the body language, the responses. That's why I had a minor in psychology, you know, like I wanted to better understand the brain and how the human body works and the mind. And so music therapy can be used for people who struggle with dementia. It can be used for people who have speech impediments or struggle with um, apraxia or have ASD or, you know, are just going through a really hard emotional time. They might've just been diagnosed with schizophrenia and, you know, maybe they're struggling with manic and depressive episodes. And so music therapy can be utilized in such a great way. It's just getting it in there is the difficult part because people are quick to assume it's just a guitar in a hospital. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, there's a lot, a lot to it. Absolutely. You talked about writing music, experiencing the music, uh, analyzing the music. What are some of these techniques that you're using? You talked about the goals that people might have that the, these techniques are addressing. What kinds of techniques do you use uh, with people who are maybe not familiar with music at all, right? Other than listening to it on the radio, what kinds of things are you doing in those sessions? Yeah, you know, that question immediately made me think about um, in my internship, which was at the University of Iowa Hospital and Clinics, um, we have different rotations because there's three different music therapists there who specialize kind of in different areas of the hospital. And one of the rotations was in some of the psych units. And in the psych units is where I saw a lot of um, benefits from songwriting, analyzing lyrics, because like I said, we have a personal experience with music, but most times we don't ask ourselves why. Why did I relate to that song? What about that song sticks out to me? You know, why does it make me feel like I'm at home? Or, you know, why does it relate to me when I'm angry? Um, and so there's there's different things like ISO principle and <laughs> other terms that I could spit out. But, you know, the simplest thing is that music meets us where we're at and it can take us to where we want to go. Um, and as a music therapist, we get to kind of facilitate that. Like it's an honor to be able to stand next to somebody who's struggling with um, maybe just depression um, and they've struggled with it for a long time. And you know, they're facing a lot of grief and a lot of trauma. And to be the one person that comes in and creates that rapport and has this relationship with that person, um, maybe they start to write music about their experience because that individual didn't know how to voice what they felt because they felt so overwhelmed or depleted. Um, maybe it's analyzing the songs that they listen to when they're feeling a certain way to help them realize, oh, I am feeling grieved or I'm feeling upset or maybe I'm feeling anxious about something. Um, and so as a music therapist, you get to come alongside people um, and do that. And so in my internship in that psych unit, that was one of my favorite experiences because when people are in that place, they're so vulnerable. They're so vulnerable. They're scared. They're maybe it's their first time being there. Maybe it's their 20th. They're all so different, but they're also there because most times they want to find healing. And so they're very open to a music therapy experience, which is a lot less intimidating than um, a social worker coming in or like, I have to go to a counseling session if they don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. I love counseling, obviously, <laughs> but a lot of times people are like, I don't want to do that. Or we have that stigma about it. But if somebody comes in with, you know, some songs to analyze, maybe some djembes, we're going to do a drumming circle to express how we feel. Maybe we're just coming in one-on-one -on -one with guitar and maybe you want to learn a new skill. Maybe I can teach you how to play an instrument so that you have a healthy coping mechanism whatever it is, they're so willing in that place. And to me, I was like, this brings me a lot of joy. It just, it reminds me of why I went into this field. So I don't know if that answers the question, but <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Cause you're right. A lot of people have that stereotypical like counseling experience and don't want that or are scared to have like a, a counseling session. So, um, what are like, how do people get into like the music side of it? Like how do people know, like maybe music therapy is like a good idea or find you to even try that? Yeah. So a lot of it, um, especially just in today's age is we have to advocate for it. Um, there's quite a few hospitals that have music therapists and there's some that don't because I don't know why I would say they're quick to assume that there's no benefits, but there are so many research articles, there's journal articles, there's statistics, there's scientific data that supports the benefit of music. Um, and so oftentimes when people are quick to dismiss it, I'm like, why, you know, why? Cause I bet you're going to turn the music or turn your radio on when you get in your car and listen to something going home. And that has effect on you, you know? So why wouldn't you allow that to people that you already serve? Um, and so I think a lot of times, especially just as professionals in kind of a mental health, behavioral health field, it's important for us. And even like you guys and um, the people you work with to, to educate yourselves, to advocate for this, because it does work. You know, we, we've seen the benefits of it. I've experienced the benefits of it, you know, so advocating is a really big thing in the music therapy field right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it 
you know, my, so my daughter is uh, learning ukulele right now. Mm -hmm. And when you talked about music as a coping skill uh, for children and for adults too, the, the putting on a song on the radio and singing Mm -hmm. it at the top of our lungs, that is a coping skill. That's something that we use as adults. Um, And it made me think about uh, my daughter over the holidays, we were traveling and traveling with children it can be very, so difficult. Well, you know, it can be so hard um, because their routines are just off and the thing, their comfort items and their comfort sounds and smells mm-hmm. are not there. And, uh, and we were, we were gone in another state and in a different house. And my daughter had her ukulele with her and the, at first she was like, I have to practice out of ch-. but being able to do the same things, being able to hear the same sounds when we're in the living room, when we're traveling, she doesn't hear the air purifier that she hears here. Um, when we're in the kitchen, their blender makes a different noise than our blender does in the morning. And so for her, being able to hear those same sounds, do that same kinetic motion um, that she does at home really did help to ground her. And she knows like, okay, I have to play, I'm going to play this three times, right? I'm going to do this three times. And having that same routine in something like a ukulele that we we carried on the plane um, <laughs> that we could bring with us um, allowed her to get really, really grounded uh, while she was in a new location because she could keep that routine going. Um, mm-hmm. She also wrote so many songs while we were there. <laughs> <Yay>! um, <laughs> and and I, I think, you know, as I, as I think back on that time, the times when she would sit in the other living room, so not the one we were all hanging out, but she would go sit <laughs> in the other living room and she would write and she would write down words and, and chords in her little notebook and she would play them. And the times that she was doing that were the times that were very, very busy socially that day, right? Like there was a party that day or there were, you know, there was a lot happening that day on the schedule. And those were the evenings where she would go in there and go, I'm writing music right now. And we'd all go, okay. And she would go in there and do that. Um, And so being able to see that, you know, and she's not in music therapy, but she's utilizing music um, in the same ways that I imagine we would use music therapy um, to help a child that has a difficult time when there's a lot happening or has a difficult time with transitions and being in in new locations and their routine. Um, So I just think, you know, as we, I love what you said about, yeah, we all have these experiences with music. And we all have that song that brings us back to that time in our lives or that relationship or that person or that family member. Um, And so we can see it, we can feel it Mm -hmm. uh, as evidence to ourselves. So um, I, I love that. And I, it reminds me of, in so many ways, it reminds me of play therapy. Um, and it reminds me of in behavioral health intervention services that we do with kiddos, it's all games. And you look at that mm-hmm. session as a parent and you go, you just played Jenga for two hours. Right? <laughs> like, how is this going to help them with uh, not waiting their turn in school? Right. Um, and so what we see on the outside of like, you just sat with that person and played the guitar and sang for an hour. Right. Exactly. Uh, but what we feel differently when we're playing, we feel differently mm-hmm. when we're hearing music and interacting with music. And it really does bring out those pieces of ourselves or those feelings of ourselves that we can't express verbally, um, that we right. just, there are no words to express mm-hmm. how a certain song feels to sing or a certain song feels to hear. Um, and it's just, I, I love that. And I love that you're out there advocating for it because it, nobody knows what behavioral health intervention services are. Nobody knows <laughs> yeah. what BHS is, right? And people hear music therapy, but they don't know what it is and how beneficial that can be to any age group. Mm-hmm. I think that is so beautiful. Yeah. And your emphasis is on trauma and on grief. Yeah. And so tell us about music and grief in particular. Yeah. So, the reason I 
in my master's, at least that I want to put in more of a heavy emphasis on grief and traumas, because I feel like as an almost 27 year old, I've probably gone through a lot <laughs> in life um, and in our marriage and just in this world, I've, I've experienced a lot of that myself. Um, and just growing up, nobody really taught us about grief and what it is. And, you know, as a kid, we're quick to think and to take this mentality into adulthood, that grief is just when you lose somebody to death that you love, or that was a family member or was a friend. Um, and in college, I really started to understand that grieving can mean moving from Iowa to South Carolina. Grieving can even happen after you get married because it's a hard transition that just completely changes everything. Grieving might look like <laughs> my engagement ring broke in our, you know, in our engagement. And I had to go buy my wedding dress without a ring, you know, and it was all these little things just kept adding up. You know, I had a house fire. I lost my childhood pet in the house fire. I we lost all the wedding stuff in the house fire. I got married and had to live in a place that was so foreign to me. I had to, to discover a new community of um, Jesus loving people that I had in Charleston, but I didn't have in Iowa. And so I had all these experiences with grief and traumatic events and no education on them other than what I carried as a music therapist, but nobody gave me what I needed in that moment. And so I, it was one of those moments where I was like, well, I always pour out, but I feel like my cup's empty, you know, like my knowledge bucket is empty. Like, what do I do for myself? Um, and so that was when I actually first went and started seeing a counselor and, um, you know, at first it was embarrassing. So I was like, well, I'm a therapist. Shouldn't I be doing this for myself? You know, and, um, too quick. Do we assume that that's the case, but it's not. Um, and in my first counseling experience, that counselor, she said, you know what, you're grieving, you are grieving. And I was like, but no one's died. I mean, my dog died, my cat died, but no one's died. Why am I grieving? Am I allowed to grieve? And she said, you are allowed to grieve. You can grieve over not being able to eat the dinner you wanted, you know, like <laughs> you can grieve over the silliest things and it, it's all okay. Like you have permission to, um, and it really opened my eyes to why don't why is this not normalized? Why aren't we all aware that grieving can look and can be from so many things? Um, and so when I felt the urge to, to continue my education into a, more of a counseling emphasis, um, I applied for my master's and I've looked at, you know, like what areas would I like to work in? What kind of area would I like to specialize in? And immediately I was like grief and trauma. I love grief and trauma. And so even now um, as a music therapist, though I might be seeing somebody who doesn't necessarily have a goal that has anything to do with grief and trauma, a lot of times when we're experiencing counseling or therapy of any sort, we start to unlock that maybe we are grieving about something, even if it wasn't the original reason of why we sought help. Um, and so as a music therapist now, I'm mostly in nursing homes when it comes to the music therapy <laughs> professional side of me. Um, and after COVID, there's a lot of elderly people who are grieving the time that they lost or the time that they didn't have with their grandchildren or with their, their children or their spouse that just passed, whatever it might be. Um, and so a lot of times, specifically to music therapy interventions there, a lot of times it's more comfort care. Um, and then also helping that individual kind of process what they're feeling because grieving is confusing. <laughs> grieving is so confusing because you don't know how you feel and you just feel like a hot mess of like, why do I feel the way that I feel? Um, and you just need somebody with a fresh perspective to come in and to say, hey, can I walk alongside you through this and maybe help you um, see things in a different light? Um, and so that's that's just another thing that we can do as you a music therapist, but that's really cool. I was going to ask what you like, what specifically you do in nursing homes as well, but it seems like, like you just said, a lot of it does relate to that grief part of it too, which we don't always think about because we do think about death when it comes to that. Um, mm -hmm. and so you started to bring up your counseling experiences as well. And you had mentioned you had a great counseling experience and a mediocre one as well. So can you kind of yep. give some back up background on the great one, but also that mediocre? Yes. Yeah. So I'll start with the mediocre one. Um, not that there was Perfect. anything bad with it. It's just, um, that was my first one. She's the one that opened my eyes to, Hey, you're grieving. You've gone through some really traumatic stuff and you're suppressing it and you haven't been able to process it. Like, let's do that. And that was all great. And, you know, I did it for about a year and I felt really good about where I was. Summertime came around, which for me, I was like, 
I'm a brand new person when the sun starts shining. Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, Hey, you know what? I think I can discharge from therapy for at least for a while, you know, see how, see how I'm doing. Um, and in that time I started to experience some more stuff where I was like, man, you know, I think I still have some stuff I haven't processed. Um, and so I actually, I got my husband actually to go to marriage counseling with me too. And, um, just the benefits of it. It's another area where I was like, why are we not doing this? Like, even if we're not going through super traumatic stuff, this is a regular thing that we should be doing because it's just somebody giving us a fresh perspective. I mean, we do premarital counseling, but then we don't do marital counseling after we're married. Why? I don't know, <laughs> but I would like to change that stigma. And so we've done some stuff too. And um, in the, the marital counseling, I started to see, maybe I should go back and see a counselor too. Cause I think that I'm pulling stuff into my marriage that I don't think is appropriate to be putting on Caleb necessarily in the ways that I was. And so I went back and I found another Christian counselor for me. That was really important with my faith. Um, and it was such a God thing. I was like, well, do you guys take TRICARE? Cause a lot of places don't. Um, and if they do, you have to pay the 15, 10%, whatever. And, um, I reached out to Candeo counseling here in Cedar falls and they have a whole building now. Um, and they said, Hey, you know, we've got an intern. And my preference is I'd like to see somebody older than me. That's just what I prefer. Cause I feel like they have a little more life experience and wisdom to pour into me. Um, and they said, we've got an intern. She's completely free. And so, you know, I was like, sure. Yeah, I'll take it. And I went to see her and right off the bat, I was like, this woman, I love her. <laughs> and so we have just hit it off. And that's where I kind of mentioned, um, in some of the questions we've gone over is, um, I am super passionate about telling people that they need to find the right counselor. Cause while the first one was really great, there was still a part of me that felt like, Hmm a little reserved. I didn't necessarily have like that safe feeling of being able to open up. And that wasn't because she did anything wrong. It's just because she's human and I'm human and we can't be friends with everybody, which means we can't have everyone as our counselor either. Um, and so we just weren't the best fit, but we still benefited from it, you know, and until I found this second counselor and had the experience I have now, I had no idea. So now I know I'm having a great counseling experience, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> And your insight on counseling and how you show up in counseling and what you need from counseling has just increased with each of these experiences. And so when you were uh, with that first counselor, you were like, this is helpful. Like, this is okay. You know, and, and that was kind of the, that benchmark of like, well, this is what counseling is. It's good enough that I feel like, or helpful enough that I feel like we can, you know, start doing couples therapy because healthy couples do couples therapy. Yes. Yeah, healthy exactly. couples do it. They do because they want to stay a healthy couple. Right. Um, and so, you know, and then going into this, this next counseling experience and going, oh, <laughs> this is what, <laughs> this yep. is what it's supposed to feel like. This is what a great counseling experience feels like. And it puts the other one into perspective, um, comparative or relative to the counseling experience that you're having now. Um, and so with each experience, you're able to learn more about yourself and learn more about who you are as a therapy client. You know a lot about who you are as a music therapist. And mm -hmm. I loved that you said, you know, well, I had that feeling of like, I'm a music therapist. I'm a helper. I help people. Yes. That's just how you show up in the world. Yeah. And so sh should I be getting a therapist? I, maybe I should be doing that for myself. And yeah. you know, what I, what I love about you sharing that is that it can normalize that for anybody who's listening, anybody who is a helper, mm -hmm. the helpers we needed the most right? people Honestly, who are empathetic though, yeah. and who <laughs> want to help other people we need it the most. And, you know, you never, if you saw a surgeon that was, uh, undergoing a surgery, would you ever say, well, why aren't you doing that surgery on yourself? Exactly. What's, are you a bad yeah. surgeon? Cause you're not doing surgery on yourself. Like mm -hmm. we would never think that about a surgeon. Right. And the same mm -hmm. thing here with the helping profession and with therapy and counseling, 
uh, we can't do it on ourselves. We can't be our own patient. Uh, they say that about attorneys, right? The attorney that <laughs> represents himself as a fool for a client. Right? Yeah. And, and same thing here. So I love that you normalize that. And, uh, and what you said about grief, what you said about grief, not being withholded to death and mm-hmm. loss in the way that we typically think about grief, but that um, but that we can grieve something that never even happened, like mm-hmm. shopping for my wedding dress with my engagement ring. That never happened, mm-hmm. but it's still grief. It's still a loss of something that I imagined happening. And mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes those are quick in our own mind to go, nope, that's not right. Like, how can I grieve something yeah. that didn't happen? So I love what you're doing and in, in sharing that. No, that is grief. That is absolutely grief. We experience that the exact same way, the exact mm-hmm. same way in our body and in our brain uh, as we do when we lose a loved one. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we can treat it the same way. Um, and uh, so many times grief gets stuck in the that's not grief <laughs> feeling, yeah. right? Like that's where it gets stuck. And then it just never leaves us. It just doesn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, until we let it flow through us. And music is such a beautiful way to do that because language, language is a barrier to grief flowing through us. Um, Language is a barrier to trauma uh, being processed through us because we, Mm -hmm. words just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But music can and dreams can and art can and games can and uh, imagination can. And all of these pieces that we, these techniques that we use to tap into what is below our cognitive abilities to be able to process Mm -hmm. um, are, they're so magnificent. They're just, they're so necessary Mm -hmm. um, because we can't do it words. We just can't. It's impossible. And the more that we try to do it and, and feel like, oh, I'm failing, I'm failing. Mm -hmm. Well, we're failing at something that we, we physically cannot do. (laughs) We need these other ways to get those experiences and these thoughts and these feelings, um, understood by our conscious brain and by our Mm -hmm. consciousness, uh, in a way that we can, okay, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. Right now I can, I can move on and it's still with me, but it's with me in a way that I understand it, that I have, I have understood it, uh, not just in here, right. But all of me has understood it. Yeah. That's, Um, that's one thing too, that I think is a benefit of music is a lot of times, um, when you see music therapy in more of like a clinical setting, we actually co-treat a lot with speech pathologists, with physical therapists, Um, with occupational therapists, because music unlocks so many different areas of the brain. I mean, there are synapses happening everywhere in your brain when you're engaged in music or music therapy. Um, Whereas like speech therapy, we're just in the left hemisphere and that's nothing wrong to that. But sometimes we do need to engage other parts of our brains to get the most benefit from it. And so music just unlocks so much of our brain, so much of our emotions. It's like a world, you know, it's a door that's opening up to a world that we knew was there, but we didn't have access to. So, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier too, like when you did ABA, um, that music is something that we do a lot with children with autism as well. Mm -hmm. So is that like similar than like it, I mean, I know a lot of clients with autism, like struggle with like that social aspect of it as well. So do you think music helps in with that part of it or why is it used with ABA then? Yeah, you know, I can't speak directly into this, but I know that there is research out there that talks about um, there's a significant amount of children with ASD or autism um, that respond to music. Why? I don't know if they've kind of figured that out yet. I haven't necessarily looked into research in that area as of late, um, but I know that research exists. Um, And to me, it's really interesting because having worked in ABA as a music therapist, but not providing music therapy, staying in my, my wheelhouse there. Um, I saw the benefits or what music therapy could do to help benefit the kids. So the kids that I worked with one-on-one, sometimes I might sing, sit down because they respond to Papa better than just saying, Hey, sit down. Like what, what would you prefer? Somebody saying sit down or Hey, sit down. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's music can look 
and just provide such a simple um, comfort. So like when you're working with those kids who have ASD and you know they're having a really hard moment, they don't know how to cope with what's going on, maybe they need some squeezes, maybe they need some auditory stimulation, whatever it might be, music can be used to facilitate that moment. Um, maybe they do need some soothing just sounds of like water. Maybe they need something that's like a rain stick or something where they can feel the beads, you know, the sensory um, stimulation there, feel the beads moving to the other side and then feeling it move to the other side. And then the repetition of that, maybe that's what they need. And then maybe they just need to, to learn the wheels on the bus and the motions because they're working on finding gross motor, you know, whatever it might look like. But music is something that non-music therapists can facilitate. They just aren't trained, you know, on the psychological part of what's happening, but as a music therapist, that's where we can come in and say, Hey, I want to encourage you to continue to play wheels on the bus or to continue to do the motions to the itsy bitsy spider or whatever it might be. And we can help educate other professionals in the health field or the helping field of how to use music at their benefit, you know, to benefit who they're serving. So yeah, you can. Monica went to this program one time and they, when they, instead of saying, Hey, everybody listen, they did the clapping, right? And everybody knows that it's that. Yep. <laughs> just keep doing it. And, we still respond. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, it's like, it's automatic. And, and it makes me think too, of that, that cleanup song, like clean mm-hmm. up, clean yeah. up. Everybody, yep. everybody knows that song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I'll hear, you know, my daughter will have kids over and I'll go like, okay, it's time to clean up. And they'll all start singing it. I'm like, how did, <laughs> this is great. Okay. Keep singing it. You know, I'll put it on my phone if that helps you guys clean up. Right. But the, these things that, you know, I mean, gosh, I don't remember anything from when I was four or five, but I remember that song, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I remember doing that. I don't know what the classroom looked like. I don't remember who my four-year-old preschool teacher was or what she looked like right but I remember that song I remember cleaning up to that song Mm -hmm. um and so it 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 is just beautiful being able to bring those those other pieces of ourselves uh Mm -hmm. as a whole into our healing process um because without acknowledging those pieces of ourselves uh we we can't do a full healing, right? It's way more Mm. difficult, but once we can acknowledge all of the pieces of ourselves, uh, then that healing is much more whole. Uh, and so I love that. What a great example. Um, I really like how you were just talking about, um, unlocking different parts of ourselves to experience the best healing. It just, the whole time you were saying that it made me think about one of the branches of the nursing home I do music in. Um, it's more so just kind of like a group, I I hesitate to call it music therapy because there's not a whole lot of interaction happening, although I'm using a music therapist mind. Um, But I go into a unit that's the dementia unit. Um, And every time, every time, you know, I I start by saying, hey, if you know these songs, sing along with me. And every time there's somebody that's like, well, I don't remember any of them. You know, and I, then I start singing case or Oscar by Doris Day and they're like singing along with me. And, you know, I'll turn to, to Miss Susie or whoever and say, I thought you didn't remember that song. She goes, oh, well, I don't know what happened. And I said, well, isn't that the beautiful thing of music is these songs in our lives, even when you struggle with dementia, have created a roadmap in our mind over and over and over when you listen to this music, which is why it's important to be wise about what music you're listening to and what the words are. Um, because whether you're, you're analyzing what the words are or not, it's creating a roadmap in your mind and, you know, 20, 30, 50, sometimes 70 years down the road, you might be sitting in a dementia unit and a young music therapist, you're thinking, oh, she's so cute. looks like my granddaughter. She's not going to know any of the music I know. And I stroll in there singing some George Jones or Doris Day music and Patty Page. And all of a sudden a whole dementia unit is singing words with me that they're not reading but they're remembering, even though they can't remember their daughter's name. And, you know, it's in those moments where I remind them music is like a key for you. Music is a way for you to unlock memories that you feel you have forgotten. And even as the children, you know, in the times where I was able to do some kind of hospice intervention or um, just an intervention with some family in a room at, you know, the nursing home, my husband used to work at or whatever, 
I like to empower the, the children of these individuals in the nursing home that, you know, if, if they're struggling to remember your name, create a song. Hey, mom, it's Courtney. It's good to see you today, whatever it might be. That melodic phrase is going to be just wired into her brain, even if she can't recall it. But as soon as she hears it, her mind's going to recall that. And she's going to remember, it's Courtney. Good to see you today. And so I just, that's another area where I felt like I needed to share that music can unlock different roadmaps in your mind to help you find that complete healing. Absolutely. That's what I think. So what it is mm-hmm. to me, if you ask me, okay, put these things in alphabetical order. If it comes to like EQS, <laughs> I have to say in the States. Like sometimes it'll be like, oh, what's that other state? And I'll go Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, right? I'll, like, yep. I'll sing the song through. And then I'm like, oh yeah, Utah, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah. and it is, it's uh another way that um so my daughter is dyslexic and she spelling is really hard. Like she'll bring home a spelling test, it'll be like four out of ten, she'll be super sad about it. And we'll always go through. So they take a test, then they have a week, and then they take the test again with the same words. And I'm so grateful for that format <laughs> because when she comes home and she's only gotten three out of 10 right, or she's only gotten mm-hmm. four out of 10 right, we can we use a ball and we pass the ball back and forth and then we sing the letters and try to make it funny, right? So yeah. it'll be like, again, again, it's a hard word. Just like I had to be like, again, um, <laughs> and, and so it'll be like, a G a again, there's another <laughs> a in again, a G a I N. Um, and so being able to put those things in there and doing the like, what um, motion mm-hmm. with it. Right. And then towards the end of the the week when she takes that again, it's not perfect, right? But she'll get like yeah. eight or nine out of 10 instead yeah. of three or four. And uh, and those, that's always amazing to me because like what, what you're saying, those are things we just, we don't forget them. And we forget mm-hmm. that we know them, you know, yep. a song will come on. And if you gave me, if you said, I'm going to give you a hundred dollar bill, if you tell me the fourth word in the second chorus of this song, I'd be like, I have uh, no idea, right? And yeah. then it's like, oh, it's in. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. And um, actually the other day, my daughter, uh, I used to, when I was breastfeeding my daughter, I would sing to her and I would sing this very specific song to her and, or a, a couple of different songs. And I haven't sang that to her since I stopped breastfeeding her when she was like just two. <laughs> and so I started like humming it the other day. I was like, and she said, I've never seen a cuter cat. And I was like, oh, what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> like how? How did you do that? Right. Yeah. And, and maybe I've sung that song before, you know, like before yeah. just not noticing it. But she said that to me. And I was like, what? How do you mm-hmm. know that? Um, and it's, it's amazing. But she heard that song five times a day for two mm-hmm. years. Um, while she was one, you know, so it's incredible. Those things that we can't put, if I asked her, what's the last line of you're the cutest cat, she would be like, I don't know. Why would I know that song? Right. Mm -hmm. But as soon as she hears like, da da da, she goes right into it and she knows exactly what it is. Um, well, that's like, if I asked her to tell me the second verse of shake it off, you know, she wouldn't speak it. She would sing it (laughs) and she'd play along with it. That's all right. I was trying to get her to um <laughs> to try to remember uh the words for call me maybe like the second verse. Yeah. And I was like, okay, just read what's on the page to me. Like, don't sing it. Like all just right. read it, you know, so she can follow along with, but I'm like, just read what it says. And she was like, okay, okay. And so she <laughs> puts her little finger on the first word. And then she starts to I do a wish in the wall. I'm like, oh yep. my god. Yep. <laughs> But that's how she knows the song. And it's like, that is mm-hmm. powerful. Even when we try cognitively not to do it, we still do it. It's a totally yeah. different part of who we are and how we function as a human, um, yeah. where we can't even co- cognitively make ourselves not remember, right? Mm-hmm. It's, 
It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I did my internship at the veterans home in Marshalltown. Um, and they, it was the first time I had ever experienced a music therapist. They had a music therapist in this basement room in at the VA and she had every kind of instrument and it was so yeah. cool. And you go yeah. in, there's rain sticks and there's, you know, bagpipes and just everything down there. And she'd bring them to these groups. And it was amazing people who every time I would talk to them, they had no idea who I was, right? Mm-hmm. I was their intern therapist. They had no clue who I was. They were like, oh, hello. And then they would start singing and they would know every word to these songs. It was incredible. Um, And so, yeah, we, we don't have to make ourselves do it. And in a lot of ways, music takes that pressure off of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're constantly trying to make ourselves do things. We're trying to, okay, we, I have to get up at this time. I have to, you know, work out, oh, I should be doing this or that. We're constantly making ourselves do that. And music is something we don't have to force ourselves to do. Um, right. It's beautiful how we can tap into that natural ability. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely takes the pressure off. And even from the outside perspective, again, it, it looks like we're just having fun and we really are. It's just that people don't always realize the process that's happening inside them that is benefiting them until afterwards. And they're like, Oh, Hey, yeah, I feel good. And you're like, yeah, see, you know, you just have to take the time to do something that might be a little uncomfortable, but I promise it's going to benefit you. That's what we're here for, you know? Yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing Mm -hmm. what music therapy is kind of giving all of us a better understanding of those, those techniques and those, uh, those ways that it really just taps into how we function as, as human Mm -hmm. beings. Um, and also thank you for sharing your own story of counseling. I know you're a huge <laughs> advocate for counseling um, and you tell everybody, like, I do. you need a counselor. I'm not afraid. <laughs> <laughs> no it's shame so, here. <laughs> but it's so important to see somebody as vibrant as you are, as connected as you are, as helpful as you are, to see somebody like that say, I need a counselor. I go to counseling, right? This is helpful to me to see a marriage like you and Caleb and to see a family like you and Caleb and Silas and blue Mm -hmm. and to see such a healthy family and go like, yeah, we do marriage counseling, right? It's, it's wonderful to see that. And so inspiring. So I thank you for all the advocacy that you do as well. Um, So if you could give one suggestion to somebody, maybe on the fence about starting counseling, what suggestion would you give them? Just like I said earlier, you have to take the time to find the right counselor. We're so quick already to think, well, I'm not diagnosed with this, or, you know, I I have a good life to think you don't qualify to see a counselor. That's wrong. You do. Everybody has the right and it's normal for everyone to see somebody, but what we don't think about and what people aren't often telling us is if you don't like your first counselor, that's okay. And the counselor knows that they know that they're not a perfect fit for everybody. And if you express that to the counselor that you're uncomfortable, or maybe it's not a good fit, they might even be able to help you by recommending you to somebody else because it's their area. And so, man, if you are on the edge of seeing a counselor, one, know that there are tons of people rooting for you to go do this, um, because it only is going to benefit you. But two, there's also a lot of people telling you to find the right one read their bios. They're online. Don't just call a center and say, Hey, I want to schedule an appointment, go online, read their bios, see if they have experience in the field that you need to get help in, or you feel like you need assistance in, and then just try it. And if you don't like it, you know, try four weeks. That's what I tell everyone. Try a month, four weeks, and then, you know, analyze how you feel at that point and how you feel about your counselor. And if you should continue with them or with someone else or not at all. So Mm -hmm. That's what I would have to say. Absolutely. Uh, I love that. Not everybody is a fit and and mm-hmm. say it to your counselor. If you're like, yes. oh, this is not, 
<laughs> feeling like a fit. That person, want, if they are a good counselor, they want you to find right. the right fit. They want yeah. you to be comfortable in that session. And I also loved the insight that you provided about yourself of like, I, I enjoy seeing an older counselor, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes people think like, oh, I shouldn't discriminate. No, no. it's what you feel comfortable it's with and you. expressing that is absolutely encouraged. So I love that. What a great example. Um, and trying four times. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause those first assessments, they can be so awkward. Or you like me and you just cry but... the whole time and then you leave embarrassed and you're like, why? I just needed a tissue apparently. <laughs> you know, and you're yeah. like, oh man, now I got to see this person again. Right. Yeah. But, right. I don't want to go back. But being able to go, okay. Like that was, that was one down, right. Yep. Three to go. Yep. <laughs> and exactly. being able to see that like there is an exit ramp if I need it. And, but I'm going to give it those four times to get to know this person. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful advice. All right. So uh, we can find you. So you do uh, ukulele, voice, beginner piano, and guitar lessons uh, through Cashendo crescendo uh music so um we will link that uh link there crescendo music today on facebook we'll link that there um i my daughter takes uh ukulele lessons through courtney um and it's been just so wonderful being able to see her enjoy that and um to be able to see her skills uh improving and the the pride that my my six-year-old feels when she gets a piece going right or she she goes oh I got it I got it I got it I got it and she does it um it's just it's it's beautiful and I've caught her I mean I wake up at 5 a.m but I've caught her up in the early early mornings downstairs playing her ukulele by herself and it's you know it's it's beautiful and I I just recommend it for any child or adult um Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that that you try that out it's hard to do things that we're not instantly good at um yep. but that's how that's how life is and music is such a great way to feel the reward of trying something hard yeah. and sticking with it uh, yeah. until it becomes not so hard mm-hmm. i am courtney michael and i need a counselor Awesome. awesome. Me too. So does Krista. For the hundredth time, Chris and I also. <laughs> we need a counselor. Um, it's it's wonderful, uh, you know, when we get to hear people's stories, and especially the mediocre ones. I like the mediocre ones. Yeah. I like the negative ones, honestly, because yeah. because of how much we learn from those experiences and how yeah. much we can grow then once we have those positive ones. So. Wonderful. All right. Well, if you are in Iowa uh, and interested in uh, mental health therapy over telehealth or in any of our six office locations or in-home behavioral health counseling for your kiddos, um, give us a call at 800-531-4236. And like Julie mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we post new episodes every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central. So save up your laundry or your dog or cat brushing or whatever you hate doing. And listen to us while you do that once a week on Sunday nights. And we can help get you connected with either your own counselor or to reach out to our guest for that week as well. And if you have any questions for us, you can reach us on our Facebook page at You Need a Counselor Podcast or on our Instagram at You Need a Counselor Podcast or we have a YouTube as well. And like Julie also mentioned at the beginning, our Patreon is now live. So you can find that on patreon.com slash heart and solutions as well to sign up for those play therapy trainings. So I'm Krista Hunt. And I'm Julie Johnson. And we need a counselor. And so do you. Bye. Bye.